Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to this week's Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan, and... Hey, I'm Kate Roberts. Delighted today um, to have a guest, George Pransky. And George is someone I met many years ago. And the one thing I remember in the first time I met him, I did not understand him didn't get him, thought he was out to lunch. And it's nice to know how minds can get changed. Because that was in February 2012, so just over nine years ago at the time that we're talking right now. Because I've never spent more time nor invested anything like as much as I have in spending time with George. And no one has done more for me understanding my humanity, nor impacted my work as George Pransky. Well, that is a strong statement. And a true one, George. So it's an absolute thrill for me um, to talk with you right now and to, to bring you to our listeners. So George, if I remember correctly, you were a, a classical therapist around 45 odd years ago in uh, Gestalt therapy, if I recall. Well, it was a, a, a approach that this guy, John Enright and I, two dear friends, we invented this approach. Yeah, we, we, we practiced this approach and uh, I was his intern. So I was in graduate school and learning this approach from John Enright. And the, the premise of it was that um, people's problems were stem from their history, but not, not the kind of history that you might think. We, we, we came up with these techniques that would um, highlight people's history and these techniques would move them forward in their development. That was what we promised. Yeah, and what happened? Yeah. Well, at some point, I worked with, with John Enright, and then I was his partner. And before that, I was his intern. And then at some point, I kind of gave up on the psychology as, as a viable 
science, you might say. I just gave up on it. I saw people coming back, having problem A, and they, and then they'd solve problem A, and then they, they'd have another problem that would consume them. And I just thought it was wall-to-wall problems, psychological problems. And I was very hopeful at the beginning, and I was very hopeless later in my life because uh, I just felt like it was just wall-to-wall problems. And at that time, I, I met my partner, John Enright, talked to me about meeting this guy named Sidney Banks. He apparently lived in Salt Spring Island. I'd never heard of him, but I was amazed. John Enright had all this respect for this guy, Sidney Banks. So I was anxious to meet him and I had an opportunity to meet him because then my wife Linda and I traveled to Salt Spring Island and, and, and met him. It was a it was a very interesting meeting because he he was fascinated by what I was doing that was called therapy. And, and he said to me, "Well, George, talk to me about your therapy." what happens in your therapy? I said, well, you know, I, I deal with people who have psychological problems and I solve their psychological problems. And then that, that's the end of my, uh, my therapy. So he said, well, are you saying that they have psychological problems and then you solve those psychological problems? I said, well, yeah, uh, if I have an opportunity, I do. So Sid said, so they, they have psychological problems and then you solve the psychological problems, right? I said, well, yeah, I mean, I suppose you could say that. He said, well, what would you say, George? And I said, well, it's not that simple, you know, it, when people have psychological problems, it's not that simple to solve them. He said, well, how often do you solve them? I said, not very often. <laughs> he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, it's hard to solve people's psychological problems. It's very hard, very difficult. You solve one problem and then they have another problem and then you that solve that problem and then they have a third problem I, he, so he said well what are you saying I, are you saying you're not you don't solve people's problems I said well not uh, not often they're, it turns out they're very very hard to to solve they take some doing so he said, when you talk to people, don't they get better as a result of talking to you talking to them? I said, well, it's not that simple, he said, because 
you know, people accumulate problems. They come with up with this problem and then they have an, a, another one. So he said, well, how come you would say that you help them or try to help them, they get embroiled in their problems? Why do you get them embroiled in their problems if you're trying to help them? I said, well, it's not that, that simple. He said, because people have been in, involved in the problems for a long time before I knew them. So it's not the simplest thing to help them out. They said, well, what do you, what do, you do with them? in order to help them out. I said, well, I do all these techniques. He said, what about the techniques you do? I said, well, they're uh, common techniques and the idea of them is to get past their problems. So he, his, his energy picked up when I said that. He said, really? Yeah. He said, well, do you often get past their problems? I said, well, <laughs> not really. He said, so, so what do you do for them? He said, well, I, I do the best I can. He says, I know I understand you. I understand you, you do the best, but when they leave you, do they still have problems? I said, yeah, they did. He said, so you're saying that you, you try to help them, but ultimately they end up with the same problems that you tried to help them with. I said, well, you make it sound like I don't really do much. I said, well, I'm just trying to understand what you do and how you help people with problems. Well, all of a sudden, I started feeling nauseous. And I felt like I was a fraud. So here Sid was buying my story and I felt like I was a fraud, that I was really not able to help help people. I thought that I was taking money out of false pretense. So I started feeling really bad about myself. And I started really bad about sin. I said, really, had a really bad attitude about him. And I, I said to him, well, Sid, I know you, you're interested in what, what I'm doing. That's why you talk, you're talking to me. But I'm kind of confused as to what, how I'm supposed to help you. So he said to me, well, George, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. It, it seems to me in order to help people, you have to be in a good state of mind yourself. 
So you have to find your enjoyment as a human being. It seems to me that should be job, job one. And I said to him, well, my colleagues are themselves very unhappy. So I don't, I don't see how they're gonna find their happiness if they're already unhappy themselves. He said, well, what you're telling me is that they can't find their happiness because they don't know where, where to look for it. I said, well, you could say that. He says, I am saying that. I'm saying if they can't find their own happiness, how are they supposed to find someone else's happiness? I said, well, that's, that's kind of a harsh statement that you make from Sid. He said, well, is it true or not? I said, well, yeah, he says, there's some truth in it. I said, well, he said to me, well, George, it would seem to me that you would be an expert in happiness because that's your stock in, in trade. And I said, well, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm, I'm really not an expert in happiness. My expertise isn't in mental health. My expertise is in mental illness. That's where I shine. Is I know how to diagnose people who are mentally ill. I know how to diagnose the specific problems that they present. That's, that's what my orientation is. So Sid says, well, can't you find people's happiness? Can't you find the key to their happiness? I said, well, I, won't, I, I haven't been training, trained in that. That's not my expertise. Sid said to me, well, George, have you ever asked yourself why people find happiness so elusive? And I said, yeah, I, I have asked myself that. And I think the reason it's so elusive for people is because they're, they have their problems. And that's what their focus is, is in solving their problems. So he said to me, well, George, did it ever occur to you that people think they have problems, but the fact that they think that they have problems is their problem. So they're living in a world where they think they have problems. So they're making their problems be problematic. So I said to him, well, Sid, that's too simple an explanation. Because people's problems are very complex. And it's my job to solve their problems. And even for me, it's a, a very difficult job. You make it sound like people, their only problem is that they're unhappy. So he said, yeah, that's right. That's what I would say. If, if the person wasn't unhappy, they wouldn't say that they had a problem. 
Well, to me, this was a ridiculous explanation. It was absolutely absurd. And I wasn't having it. So I complained to my wife, Linda, about him. And I, and I basically, basically said, you know, this guy thinks that it's easiest to, in, the, in the world to be happy. But if that was true, then you wouldn't have people with psychological disorders. He said, I, want, I live in the world of psychological disorders. And just because Sidney Banks thinks that's the, the only way to go, or, or just because Sidney Banks doesn't believe in psychological disorders, doesn't mean that that's not the way the world is, is wired up. We have people who have real psychological disorders. So Linda said to me, well, George, don't, don't you think that what Sid's saying is that if you find your happiness, that accounts for something. That's a good thing. And I said, well, I don't want to argue with, with you, Linda, but I'll tell you, I think he doesn't know what he's talking about. So she said, okay. So I was driving by car to, to Oregon from California. And I was totally upset with what Sid was saying. And I started complaining about it. Linda said to me, well, if you think he's full of shit, why don't you just ignore what he has said? And I said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to ignore what I said. Who cares what Sidney Banks says? Because, you know, he's a, a layman. He has no psychological training whatsoever. He's a lay person. He, he wouldn't know about what it takes to have mental health if it bit him in the ass. Well, when I said that, when I had this feeling of relief and I felt, I felt like I did when I was a child. That's how I, the only I could say, I just felt this burden of life get coming over off my chest. And I knew that was the, the beginning of a new day for me. It was, I turned a, a point, a, a corner. And I went from there to, you know, talking to my partner, John Enright. And I said to him, well, John, what if it was that simple? The people's core problem is that they're unhappy. And if they found their happiness, they would be cured. But what, what if it was that simple? And he said, oh, that, that, that's ridiculous, George. That's just a, a totally ridiculous view of human life. But I couldn't get it out of my mind because I thought to myself, gee, if people were happy, they'd be happy. I mean, that's, that's all they would need. And I said to John, you know, John, if people found their happiness, that's all they need. So 
really, at, fir at first, he, he, he thought I was a little bit crazy, but he was affected by how calm I was. So he'd known me as a, a very anxious person. I couldn't sit down for more than 10 minutes because I was so nervous and anxious. And all of a sudden, I became, became this calm person. And John said, well, George, I don't know what you're, where you're coming from, but I know this approach that you're talking about is at least worth investigating. So he essentially sponsored me. I was gonna be his intern. He and I would go to Salt Spring Island and we'd find out if there were, really was an answer there, as John suggested. And it took, took us about nine months. We met with, with him for nine months. And this other guy, Roger Mills, was learning, work, learning for us too. And at the end of nine months, we'd found our happiness. Now, I don't know how much of that nine month was wasted because uh, we didn't really know what we were doing in the beginning. So I, I don't know how, how much time it would take if we just got with it and taught people about happiness. That's my story. And that was my nine months of learning to, to be happy. And I had to break all these habits because I, I didn't understand how simple it was, and, and, and I didn't, I, I just didn't know what I was doing initially. So I had to break a lot of very difficult habits, and the habits were basically me, without realizing, bumming myself out without realizing. And Sid would say to me, George, what are you bumming yourself out? What's going on with you? He said, well, I'm trying to be happy, but it's very, very hard. He says, well, don't try to be happy. Just be yourself and, and have your own journey. So he talked to me about the danger of techniques danger of thinking more more than you know so that's my story that's how i met sydney banks and 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 how my life was uh was very different after i started learning from sydney banks gorgeous to listen to gorgeous to listen to thanks george you know as you as you were Finishing that story, I remembered the first one-to-one -one you and I had when I hired you and Linda and Bob Patterson to work with me for an extended period. And you and I had a conversation on, because I remember it vividly, it was September the 4th, 2015, day before my birthday. Yeah. And you said, well, we're starting to work together for the next six to nine months when I'd like to get to know you. And I don't think you said a word for 40 minutes and I just talked. 
And I was telling you all the things that I thought were wrong with me and my life. Yeah. You got up after 40 minutes and walked out and you said, well, that's a hell of a story. You got up and you walked out. And I went, what happened there? <laughs> that kid, that kid. <laughs> can, can a client be fired? I thought this will be a first. <laughs> and about 20 minutes later, you, you sent me an SMS, a text message on my phone saying, hey, I'm going for a drive. I need to get a few things and pick up um, my grandson. Do you want to come? I said, sure. And it was great because within 10 minutes of that car journey, after we, you know, we talked about what we're going to do in the afternoon and, and, and buy things for, for, my, for my birthday dinner the next day. And you said to me, that story, Win. here's what's striking to me. You don't see any of that as thought. Well, and I, and I kind of, I looked at you as you were driving and thankfully your eyes were straightforward on the road. But I was just like, yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't see it as thought. And you said something to me that I'll never forget. You said, so when you think of this specific problem, one of probably three, five or 10 things I said to you in that 40 minute onslaught, when you think of this one, does it always feel the same when you think that? And I said, yes, it does. And you slapped your hand on the steering wheel and you said, well, darn it, when if that's true, I should retire now. I've wasted the last 40 years of my professional life. Oh. And, and I laughed. I yeah. laughed because I heard so much in what you said. I thought, I trust him more than me. I knew you oh. were on something. That was the start of me really seeing how everything I was feeling and all my problems in inverted commas were because I thought they were. And yeah. if it wasn't for my solidity and my thinking that my problems were real, I would be happy. Oh, well, that's, that's a hell of a story. And it's the best <laughs> birthday present I could have wished for. Yeah. Wow. So the thing that, the thing that stood out to you, Win, is when you said uh, that you didn't really, you really didn't know what thought was. Nope. I thought all of those things in my story to you were real. Yeah. I'd heard about Inside Out versus Outside In. I'd read a lot of Sidney Banks's books. I'd met you three or four times by then probably more than that. But in, in that afternoon, it really shook me how much I didn't know and didn't understand. And then it's been a constant you know, time with you and Linda and lots of other wonderful people that's really helped me see what you saw in that nine months oh. on Salt Spring. Hmm. Wow. I didn't... I, I didn't I didn't really appreciate how that story was calculated to be, to turn things around. Just that story. There's so much hope in, in, in that story. You understood 
you were taught what thought was. And then you thought, gee whiz, I, I don't even know what my own story is here. And it took the charge out of the story. Yeah. Took it, the it, charge it, out of the story. Yeah. It made it as in if it was, so some things have happened in the past as opposed to I'm feeling it now. Yeah. That was the impact within a few days. I didn't really know it then. And, and that's, you know, what I love about hanging out with you, whether it's listening to you in a group, whether it's having coffee with you or <laughs> in the kitchen there or anything else or watching a football game on TV. What, what Sid said to you way back, you live your life in the way that you talk with people. And when I came up for a, for a month, a few years ago, I learned at least as much just by hanging out and watching you and Linda live and living yeah. with you than I did from any kind of formal sessions. Mm. I would just notice that you were the understanding of how thought works, how happiness works, how psychological health is a given in real time, every day. Hmm. Well, that's a strong statement. Well, I, I, I'm thinking that that would be something if I could live up to that. Because I know that it's, I know that it's true. It's, it's true. People really do, without realizing it, have their their uh, their thumb on their happiness. Mm. You can see it in, in young children. He's easiest in, in, in young children. They you don't have they don't you don't have to teach them how to be joyful and how to laugh and how to in, enjoy themselves. It's built into their nature. George, when you started to see how we were when you were with Sid, did you realize at the time how much you were changing? Or did that come later? Well, it, 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 it came you know how I said I, I, uh, I went to Salt Spring and then I went back to was really bothered by what he said, and then I found my own peace. That's when that's what all the magic happened between the time I. To my two visits. That's where the magic happened. Because I saw that happiness was a default setting in human beings. And all had all they had to know was it's a def it is a default setting. And as soon as they know that, they can live in their happiness. 
So in a way, I understood the, the nature of life after I spent that time with Sid in, in Salzburg. Mm -hmm. To me, it's amazing that I could spend nine months learning from Sid and everything I learned from him, I was able to convert to my own happiness. So there wasn't anything wasted on in my journey. Just the idea of having free time and having relaxation, freeing my mind, all, all that was all new to me. That, 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 that was uh, part of my learning. And when I went back to, when I went back from the, the salt spring, uh, you know, just when I went back home to, to Oakland, I thought I'd found the, the fountain of youth, youth and, and the, um, the essence of enjoyment. So even though my life was, my finances were really bad at that time, uh, I didn't care because I think it was just a matter of time before the door, the uh, the world would uh, knock my on my door, and I haven't had any doubt about about that since that time. We want to thank you so much, George. It's been an absolute um, joy as always to listen to you. Well, I I hope this this went went good. So. Because I really, it really matters to me about, uh, you know, help, help, helping the two of you to, to, uh, to understand this. So it was gorgeous, George. Yeah. Absolutely okay. gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, listen, it, it was really not nice. Uh, uh, talking to two of you, and I'm sorry that uh, my speech is is a, a little a little broken up, but then that's what editing is is for. So that's good. All right, you take care, George. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're Thank welcome. You, George. You've been listening to George Pransky, Kate Roberts, and Wynne Morgan on Under the Noise. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynne or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and kate at kateroberts.coaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.